I went in. I am talking about giving you a hundred million dollars. That's not gonna do it. One fifty. Love to help you, but I can't. One seventy-five. I wish I could. I'm just thinking of it. No. Two seventy-five. Three hundred million dollars. How far do we gotta go? If you go above four, we might have something. I can do that. Papa. Wall Street is good. Dad says things are bad at Wall Street. You're an eight-year-old and you shouldn't be asking me questions like that. I don't feel like talking about Dad? Wall Street. I'm here having dinner That's with enough. my family. Freddie, what's wrong with you? It's a fraud. Basically just a big Ponzi scheme. What's a Ponzi scheme? Hello and welcome to the Vertical Viewing Podcast from Vancouver, British Columbia. This is episode number 156. What? And my name is Scott. My name is Michael. Rick is here. Rick Chung. Rick is here. What up, Rick? YV Arcade. You know it. Yes, of course. Thank you for coming. On today's episode, we're going to catch up on the films and TV shows we've been watching. Is there any film news? I don't think I remember anything of note. Not particularly. No. But there's more important things, like Paddington 2. Are your marmalade sandwiches prepared? I'm, I'm trying to think if I've ever had marmalade. It, Rick is not a fan. It's not good. No, it's not a it's not a good jam. It's probably the worst jam you can have. You know, we'll talk about this later, but <laughs> it makes you really want this movie makes you really want marmalade and I I, I had to remember. Marmalade's not good. It's worse than jam. So you think that there's some ploy from the marmalade manufacturers? Oh, yeah. 100%. Big marmalade. Big marmalade. Yeah. Oh my god. Big big <laughs> big marma. We, we got a Joe Camel situation going on again. Oh, big big marma. Big yeah. marma funded Paddington. You can find all of our episodes on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher. They're kind of evil. Stay away. Our website's verticalviewing.com. Click on the donate button if you have a couple extra bones. We'd appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. you can get into a short-term relationship, just a one-night stand. If you want to help us offset the cost of seeing movies, putting on a show. Marmalade is expensive. Yeah, renting out a, a, (laughs) a slice of the internet, baking it into a marmalade pie for your ears every week. You can also go to patreon.com slash vertical viewing and that is where what? What you, can you do? You can become a patron and support us long term. Oh. You can sign up for hydrogen, helium, or lithium level subscribers. So it's one, two, or three dollars. Mm-hmm. And guess what you can do there? Well, you can suggest films, I suppose. Yes, you can. Like Jake Gyllenhaal review, Prisoners, uh, Chappie's on there. Yep. You've also got Superman Returns. We've got Dune. Terrible films like Dune and Snowpiercer. <laughs> oh, come on. Just, Snowpiercer's great. Just garbage. I, it's funny, last week... or I was I, 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 a TV show. I had a slip, and I said that Snowpiercer was great. Yeah, and we jumped... I'm taking I, that I'm, back. No, don't take it back. Under the Skin is on there. There's all sorts of goodies. The Big Lebowski. We might do The Guns of Navarone. Interesting. Yeah. Mm. But if you become a patron, you can suggest... What is coming up in the, in the coming months? You can actually uh, suggest two films if you're in the higher tiers. Pretty good, man. Yeah, and if you don't really feel like suggesting anything, the dollar tier gives you access to all those exclusives. So. Yeah, you get you get Jake Gyllenhaal in a vault. He's locked in there. We're going to eventually let him out if enough money is raised. Well, he, he's a pretty good sport. Like, yeah. He's, yeah, he's good. A lot of violations of, uh, of I guess, human, human rights and <laughs> laws. Yeah. You can uh, email us, verticalviewing at gmail.com, on Twitter at verticalviewing. You can also find our theme song. It is from the Anti-Theory. Go to SoundCloud to check him out. The show can go on, though. Rick, you have some goodies. I know you do. 
I saw a lot of movies this week. Oh my wow. God. All right. Yeah. Let's, let's hear it. I know you watched the National Lampoon film. Yes. A futile and stupid gesture. A terrible name. I know it's the name of the book, but uh, this is the Netflix movie by uh, David Wayne, who uh, did uh, a lot of comedies in uh, Wet Hot American Summer. Uh, it's about the founding of the Na- uh, the National Lampoon magazine and the guys who made that magazine, who made like Animal House and Caddyshack, and also like the comedy boom in the seventies with like Saturday Night Live and stuff. Um, I would say it's it's very watchable, and it's like I, I I'm not sure how, if I like it or I don't like it. It's my biggest beef is uh, the wigs. The the wigs in this movie are terrible, and what? I also I realized uh, Will Forte is I love Will Forte. He's forty seven. He plays Doug Kenny, who, um, spoiler alert for real life, did, did not make it into his 40s. Oh, no. And he plays him from age 18 to, like, 33, and he's 47. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's very Wet Hot American Summer style. Yeah, yeah. but <laughs> there's... So, there's <laughs> Uh, Martin Mull plays a, a, an older version, like an old man version of Doug Kenny, which is interesting. Uh, and Domino Gleason plays uh, his co-founder, and he's like unrecognizable. He has the worst wig and glasses. And uh, it's there's a lot of cameo. Like the guy who plays like Lorne Michaels is pretty hilarious. A lot of comedians play like Bill Murray and Jim Belu- uh, Jane. I don't know who's the good Belushi. John Belushi. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's pretty amusing. But there's so much going on. There's like the fourth wall breaking, all the meta things. It's just kind of all over the place. Are they? They're chronicling the rise of the magazine or something, and then also the making of Animal House is involved. Is that? Yeah. So uh, if you're not familiar with the National Lampoon, it's, it was a spinoff of the famous uh, humor magazine from Harvard, Harvard Lampoon. We're gonna shoot this dog unless you subscribe to this magazine. Yeah, it's like a gun to a dog's head. And you don't realize they did a lot of like groundbreaking things that i think you would you we've seen like the 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 byproduct of those things right we not may may not realize that's where it came from like all these humor they one of the big things was they made like a fake yearbook because everyone's high school experience was kind of similar and that was like like i think one of the best-selling magazine uh, issues ever of all time and then they they because all these drugs and all this like pressure they make radio shows they make uh tv and they make the movies like animal house and caddyshack and there's just so much going on. It's a little bit of, little bit of everything. And some of the cameos are really cool and funny. And some of them are kind of random and fall flat. Um, it, it's it's very watchable. And I'd say the the best thing about it, it's like on Netflix, right? But like <laughs> it's free ish. Uh, but yeah, the wigs are so terrible. <laughs> like it's it's an abomination to the art of like wigs. Oh, no. <laughs> so does that that must have been a choice then. Right? I, like- I, I I honestly. Don't think it is because actors <laughs> just love dressing up in the '70s shit. It's not even that '70s. It's like there, there '80s. Is, there, I, either one. People love wearing bullshit costumes from the '70s and '80s. So you know, like the tone of Wet Hot American Summer. It's like really ridiculous. Everyone's aware that even in the first one, like these people are way too old, right? There's not really that kind of. It's like even though there's a lot of weird stuff and they're breaking the the wall and they're talking to camera. It's it's a, a lot of it's very straightforward. It's like a biopic, right? So they talk about like his when he was a kid and his brother died and all these things, right? And then they're having wacky, goofy thing doing. It's like hmm. if it was like at, at odds with the actual yeah it, story and plot. Like David Wayne didn't write this; like he writes most of his other stuff, right? So it's pretty. A lot of it's very straightforward, even though it's very unconventional the way they tell it. 
I mean, I, I might skip this, man. I really love, like, I've read like every book on like Saturday Night Live. I've read all the stuff about that 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 cult that culture and era with uh, the drugs and the comedy. Um, Joel McHale as Chevy Chase is pretty pretty hilarious. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> that's I would great. say that's probably the best casting. <laughs> this is definitely like a assemble a barbecue kind of thing. I kind of right? want to watch it just because of that. Actually, put it on. Do uh, the dishes. John Daly's Bill Murray is not bad. Young Bill Murray is not bad, but uh, the guy. Uh, some, John Heberling as uh, John Belushi. I think that's pretty rough. Yeah, yeah. Because John Belushi was so like out there and iconic. It's gonna just look like a bad impression no matter what, right? It wasn't he wasn't even really doing an impression. He just did this. He just did, did those like famous John Belushi things with no out of context. Okay. All right. Well, I I, I might not do this one unfortunately. So what else? What else is happening? Uh, I saw a uh, Canadian uh, documentary at the the Cinematheque here in Vancouver. Oh yeah, it's called Geek, Geek Girls. Geek Girls, and it's pretty interesting. It kind of talks about uh, the empowering and toxic nature of women in sort of tech and gaming and uh, comic book conventions. Mm. Uh, they just interview a bunch of uh, women. That'd be uh, interesting. Yeah, it really. It's by this uh, Hungarian Canadian filmmaker Gina Hara, and uh, I think it's just really it's. It's really academic and thoughtful on how it sort of explores um, that world from the point of view of women. Uh, and apparently she had a really rough time making it. Like, people just, you know, would drop out of interviews. She worked really hard. She, I think she's been working on it for three, four years. Just because of all, like, things like Gamergate. Like, yeah, uh, a lot of women didn't want to appear in the documentary because they didn't want the hate that they would inevitably get when, when the movie was released. To be doxxed and shit. Like. Yeah, like, it goes in a lot of the... And it's, it talks about how, like, you know, geek culture is a lot about people who were outcast when they were in school, right? People used to make fun of people for, you know, reading comic books or yeah. playing video games. And then... Be- There's like a backlash to people who are like fake geeks almost, too. Yeah, and so when women entered this arena, <laughs> they harassed them, even though they were harassed when they were trying to get it. It's like... this yeah. it's, As the world turns. Yeah, it's like when you give people a little power, even if they've been miscast all their lives, they just go and abuse it, right? I think it's really mature, sort of uh, thoughtful exploration of that. Uh, and I think it's t- ending towards the end of its uh, theatrical run. You, I think you can still see it at the Cinematheque. Hmm. It's really interesting. Nice. Yeah. It's actually some good timing that it's releasing now, I think, like with all the conversations going on. I think it was like made, I think they he, she started before Gamergate, and then a lot of it was like during that whole, uh, when all that stuff like unfolded. Yeah. I feel yeah. like, yeah, right now is a good time where like women are taking over franchises and entertainment in a big way, right? Wonder Woman and Last Jedi and stuff like that. Like, the importance of geek culture being for men and for women it definitely right, has never been more apparent. It's definitely a reflection of that, but it gets into way more base level. Like, it talk, they talk to, like, uh, women comic book illustrators, women cosplayers, and stuff like that. And so... I think it's a lot of stuff you wouldn't necessarily realize uh, that's going on and how a lot of women who are just doing what they love and they're getting so much pushback from all these men about it, right? Yeah. Uh, it's really, it's, I think it's really, it's really fascinating. All right. Nice. Yeah. What else is going on? Uh, I know we've already talked about this at length uh, off air, but I saw, I just randomly watched this HBO uh, movie, oh, yeah. The Wizard of Lies. And You're obsessed with I this. It's so good. The Robert Nero as Bernie Madoff. Uh, it's incredible. I, I turned this on just to watch the first few minutes, like late at night, 
and I end up watching the whole thing straight until like 1 a.m. <laughs> Haven't you seen it twice? And I watch it again the next day. Wow. <laughs> so if you like like Margin Call or like these real life, uh, love it. Yeah, it's it's got that vibe. And Robert Nero, like it's his best performance in years. It's uh, directed by Le- Barry Levinson. Crazy. Who has like? Where's I, he been? Right. I, I know him from like things like Diner, but like if you look at his recent filmography, well, he made Wag the Dog with Robert De Niro. Yeah. Right? Uh, and ironically, oh, Dustin Hoffman, right? Yeah. And so, um, he, he recently he's done like a lot of these HBO movies about real life figures, like. But his next one's Joe Paterno, but he also did like uh, the the Beatles producer, I forgot his name, Phil Spector. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a bunch of other similar things, like real true life crime things. And then uh, his studio movies are like weird satires that have been very unsuccessful, like What Happened, I think, with Robert De Niro, and like. Uh, that oh, there's like Bill Moore, Bill Murray, Bruce Willis, like Iraq movie or something. Wait, what? Yeah, Rock the Casbah. Oh yeah. Oh, that was yeah, that's, bad. Yeah, that's some rough shit. <laughs> this that's movie is so shit. good. Um, there's there's a scene that is edited to dr- live drumming where uh, Bernie Madoff is like he's he's going under and he needs like hundreds of million dollars of investments and he's like literally going to a party like begging for money and it's incredible like if you told me i i would have not guessed that barry levinson directed this and the way it thoughtfully reveals like how crazy this this crazy scandal was allowed to happen is great and it's like an incredible family portrait because if you don't know the real story his his sons were the ones who added him out because he told them and uh if they hadn't reported him they would have been uh, sent to jail right and michelle pfeiffer oh man she's incredible as uh robert Nino's wife yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's this so incredible. Like a sizzler, dude. The the scene you mentioned, the sequence with the live drumming, like it's it's can't be as good as Birdman, right? <laughs> so uh, this is like that scene if it was good, <laughs> and if it was like edited properly. Obviously, in Birdman, it's there's no cuts, right? So you at, at a certain sh- there's. It'll just pan by a door, yeah, and there's a which, guy just like it's chilling on this drum set. It's smug as hell. I you know it's I think it's one of those things where. It's. I'm so impressed when older filmmakers the can diegetic. Make, yeah, can film something with such energy. It's like when Robert uh, Robert Martin Scorsese uh, directed Wolf of Wall Street. You would expect that to be from a much younger filmmaker, right? Because it's so propulsive and energetic. <laughs> yeah, he's like an 80 year old man making that. It's the craziest movie ever. Yeah, people doing quaaludes yeah, and yeah. doing uh, coke off of yeah, like ludes. <laughs> yeah, like. And also, like, this movie came out, like, sometime last year, and, like, no one really talked about it, right? Like, uh, if this movie had been released in theaters, uh, I, to me, it would be in, like, you know, of my top ten last year. It's just so revealing. Uh, it's an incredible a portrait of American wealth. The Wizard of Lies. The Wizard of Lies. Damn. I also I, think I, I'm all over this. I also think uh, there was, like, a Richard Dreyfuss ABC miniseries yeah. that I, was released before, and I think it took a, lot of, a little bit of steam out of it. So, like, trust and... All the money in the world, but I guess in reverse. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, is that? Is, do you have any other goodies or? Yes. You, you, I do. Oh, he's gonna hog the spotlight I'm a little hog more. It. Oh my god! <laughs> Last one, I promise. I saw uh, Mark Webb's Gifted, starring a Captain America. Oh man, I've seen the poster for this, and it doesn't even look like Chris Evans. I'm a sucker for these kind of like small like human dramas what is this movie about yeah and how how does chris evans do in this i was very curious i mean i think chris evans is a phenomenal actor who's not been able to be used to all of his talents i thought he directed this no that's um that's he directed another movie with uh alice eve all right about like one night and a sub like yeah anyways (laughs) all Uh, right Gifted is uh it's just like a family movie where uh his uh his he's taking care of his niece who's gifted 
and uh, he has like this is a, not an X Men series. N- no, <laughs> I think I think they actually had to retitle that show The Gifted. Oh no, because of this movie. Uh, Octavia Spencer is playing the Octavia Spencer role. Uh, I feel kind of bad. She's great, but I feel bad She's for her. She's typecast. Yeah. yeah. Fuck. She, she doesn't even really have a purpose in the movie. She just plays a neighbor. Oh, no. I know exactly how that whole thing goes. Uh, and so the way the plot re- reveals itself is pretty ham-handed and makes no sense. But, like, the performances are so good. Like, Chris Evans is great. No uh, Jenny Slate is incredible. Um, it's just a really fun, like, um, not so much fun because it's very dramatic. But, like... It's a For good, real? It's just like an, it's an entertaining sort of drama. If you like those kind of things, does it warm your heart? Yeah, it does definitely. Like McKenna Grace, who played the uh, the younger version of I, uh, Tanya Harding and I Tanya, mm-hmm. she plays a little the little girl, and she's great in the movie. And it's very heartwarming in many things, but it's very like melodramatic by the ends. Well, uh, he this guy made Five Hundred Days of Summer, right? And the Amazing Spider Man One and Two, and the. the he made this and the only living boy in New York, which apparently was terrible oh, no. last year. Um, and mm-hmm. I think it's one of those movies where he really needed to get back into his like smaller vibes. I think it's worth a watch, but it like falls apart by the end. Is it as good as the Book of Henry? <laughs> uh, yeah, like McCrenna Grace dies at the beginning, and then there's the Chris Evans is reading a book about uh, oh, instructions yes. of, of 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 his life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> It's a very. It's like you know exactly what's going to happen. Basically, okay. She's gifted, and they kind of struggle over that. And it's a happy ending. I, I am assuming. Yeah, it has because to because be. that's how that goes. It always does, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm an only child, so I'll never have a niece or nephew. But it makes you really want a niece or nephew. Oh, cool. Yeah. Shout out to Brock Hunter Wilson, my nephew. Oh, okay. Sorry <laughs> to rub it in. I, I don't. <laughs> it's like I don't have one. I'm not. I do. It could have been your uncle. Oh yeah. Uh Mike, do you have any goodies for us? Uh, I watched a few things. So, uh Thanks uh yeah. for listening everybody. Yep. And, and I and I'm out of here. Uh I watched part 1 of the anime Godzilla. Oh, I, I passed out, fell asleep. So, why they split this up is beyond me. They had too much good stuff, right? Well, it's half of a movie. Like it's not it's not a series, it's half of a movie. It's like an hour long. I don't know. Yeah, I think I that was the deal. It's like it's a three-parter, and they just split the this big movie up. It's so weird because doing like doing part one for a series makes sense because you have a few episodes. Cool, fine. Like so, the the the, the idea here is Godzilla shows up on Earth, and so do other monsters, and they start wrecking shit. And after like 160 nukes are launched at Godzilla at once, they still don't kill him. They're like, well, fuck. And so aliens show up who are very humanoid and say, humanity, we want your planet. Oh, shit, there's monsters here and we can't help you kill it. Let's just all escape. So really, humanity has been fleeing from Earth and decide to turn around and come back to take it back from Godzilla. But due to the theory of relativity and the speed of light travel and all that stuff, 20,000 years has passed. Oh, shit, this is amazing. So Earth has completely changed. And so, so... Part one is basically them just turning around, coming back, and taking on Godzilla. Uh, Why didn't anyone you know what? tell me this? You know what? For, for the, like, I hate this look for anime now. Yeah, like that's, the, the 3D, it turned me off. Yeah. Cell, like the 3D cell-shaded stuff. Yeah. It's, it just looks super cheap. Uh, it does work well if there's a lot of mechanical stuff in the show. So in this case, in Godzilla, 
they have like spaceships and like jet bikes and crap which they're fighting godzilla on jet bikes <laughs> it's it's kind of kind of cool um give it a watch it's only like an hour long so if you like godzilla at all it's nothing even remotely like anything you've ever seen with godzilla and i wouldn't even call it a godzilla movie it just happens to have him in it well he's probably going to be in the third part I'm guessing. Yeah. Like, I, I got to watch this. I do hate that cell shaded stuff as well. Yeah. They don't really explain much other than, hey, here you go. Monsters showed up. Humanoid aliens showed up. We just escaped with them. Bleh. Uh, so I watched that. I also started watching Devilman Crybaby. What is this? It's an anime as well. Um, I don't even know how to describe this. Like the animation style is shit (laughs) like it uh it is it's very unique it looks super basic uh and sometimes it works when things go crazy uh like when action really starts going it kind of works because things become a lot more fluid it reminds me a little of kill the kill except way less refined um I don't actually recommend this for anyone. <laughs> Just by the way, if you were like Devilman Crybaby, I've seen some Devilman stuff before. Maybe I want to watch this. Eh, give it give it a skip. So it is not related to Devil May Cry. No, it is not. Um, Damn. So I. I talk about anime a lot on here because I just watch it from time to time. So anybody who was thinking about Devilman Crybaby, I don't know, give it a watch yourself. But I'm a bit of an art style snob at least. Um, it's got to be good. And this just, it looks bad. It's just, The title sounds like they combined, it's like a game. They combined two separate movie titles into one. Yeah, because well, the Isn't main... Cry, yeah. Cry Baby, that's not the, is that a song for a movie? Well, it's the yeah. John Waters film. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Well, because the main character is an emotional dude, and he cries, and then he gets possessed by a devil, <laughs> and he becomes Fuck. Devil Man, Cry Baby. Does he have a tattoo of a little tear on his no. cheek here, or his, no. under his eye? Mm-hmm. No. Okay. Um, I also watched Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales. Why? <laughs> yeah, I heard this isn't bad. It, yeah, Okay. Wait, wh- which one this is this? Why this, this is five? F- fuck me! This is number five, eh? Uh, is this the? Uh... So this has Johnny Depp, uh, Brenton s- Thwaites, uh, Kyle S- Ky- uh, Kaya Is this the last one, latest one? This is the latest one. Okay. Uh, so here's my here's my career of watching Pirates of the Caribbean, as it were. I thought the Black Pearl was actually a really entertaining, fun movie. Mm. The, the only good one. Yes, it is that, really yeah. good. The next two steady downhill climb the ones they made without scripts yeah basically and those were shitty like they got worse and worse four i don't even know what the fuck they were doing with that like that was about the fountain of youth uh johnny depp as jack sparrow was just gone like he was not the same jack sparrow he used to be which is too bad uh he's kind of back in form in this like the the, I, the plot here is stupid but the plot is Brenton Thwaites, who is going to be playing Robin in the uh, Teen Titans TV show, um, is the son of Orlando Bloom and Keira Knightley. Because sho- she shows up with with no with no dialogue in the movie, right? She does at the very end. Keira Knightley just shows up. Uh, be- the idea, because if you've seen <laughs> if you've seen the original trilogy to completion, Orlando Bloom. Takes you, place you mean sexual completion. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, if you manage to make it all that way, I applaud your stamina. <laughs> but uh, uh, Orlando Bloom becomes 
the captain of the Flying Dutchman at, in the trilogy, which <laughs> I'm already so lost. <laughs> yeah, and he so he's deemed he's, he's to cursed. Yeah, he's cursed to ride the seas as a weird ghost. Yeah, for and he can eternity. only he can only come back every ten years. All right. So it starts with his ten year old son being like, "I'm gonna break your curse, Dad. I'm gonna find the trident of Poseidon and break your curse." Uh, and then it fast forwards another like ten years later, uh, and we have adult son of Will Turner. Well, and how old is Brendan Thwaites? Brenton Thwaites, he's like twenty. He's an older guy. Well, like twenty three, uh, old enough for. <laughs> I don't think Orlando so. Bloom to be his I don't father. Think so. No, I don't know. Orlando's not that old, right? No, I don't know how this would work. Yeah, they sort of age Orlando Bloom up a little bit here. Oh no, he's he's like forty. Age isn't he? caught up yeah. with him actually. Yeah, age has caught up with Orlando yeah. Bloom. He's no longer. You could even tell when he played. Uh, uh, Smeagol head in the, the the Hobbit movie when he came back as Elrond, whatever the fuck. Oh, right. Uh, God, Legolas. Goddamn Legolas. Yeah. Um, so this movie is... I don't even know what it's trying to do, but it's at it's least... trying to make money. <laughs> yeah, it's it's at least kind of a fun ride. And it's called Sal- uh, Salazar's Revenge is what yeah, the international cause, cause title like, was. The villain in this is Javier Bardem. Oh, that's right. Who... Uh, w- is not on an Anton Chigurh level in this. Uh-huh. I, uh, I'm s- man. Sorry, he's dude. really got to stop playing villains. Is he okay at least? He is super one dimensional and boring as fuck. Because the idea is he's a, a Spanish captain who was clearing the Caribbean of pirates. Johnny Depp got the better of him and he was killed, but he was cursed to being undead, and so he doesn't. He wants to break the curse. Everyone wants to break every fucking curse everywhere <laughs> because uh, this. Trident of Poseidon apparently breaks curses. So I don't know where they're going with this because the Pirates movies have always been full of curses and magic and crap. And why are they going anywhere with this? Well, I, like uh, this seems like a final film to me. Because, oh, good. Because oh, thank it, God. Because it caps things off. They, I feel they they had a, such a hard time making this movie too. I feel like. But does it leave any? It caps things off. But does it leave anything o- open for an? I'm sure well, it does. It has to. They could find something. I mean, Jack Sparrow's still around. It's just they get rid of all of the magic in the world for the most part. Like, the I, this whole Poseidon's Trident is like the source. I'm just going to spoil it here the, for anyone The who source of it's all like the It's like the cool. source of all Wait, the magic and so, curses. So Poseidon is a real person? No, they just say Poseidon's Trident. Um, <laughs> Where did it come from? They don't explain that. <laughs> they don't have to. It's just at the So bottom. if Poseidon's real, are all the other gods real? Probably. Yeah, okay, and... This is the weirdest fucking retcon ever. So, so Jeffrey Rush, who uh, is a great actor, I like him. He plays another pirate captain, Barbosa. Barbosa. Uh, his he's daughter, ama- he's his daughter shows up in this. His long lost daughter, yeah, played by uh, no Kaya Skuldera. Like okay, okay. So basically, the idea here is she's introduced as a love interest. For Brenton Thwaites. That's, That's about all she That's has, it. but okay. she's like a, a oh forward-thinking, science-minded woman Ooh. who in this time period is going to be burned as a witch. <gasps> um, it's super generic, but the action pieces are actually pretty fun, and that's about all this movie has going for it. Um, so if you like some action, it starts with them robbing a bank, and they actually just pull the whole building across an island. So it's got some cool stuff. That sounds very Pirates of the Caribbean. It's actually a lot like Fast and the Furious 5. Do, do they um, tell any tales? <laughs> no, well, no, not really. Does Salazar <laughs> get his revenge? No, it's... Fuck this. It's like... Okay. 
Uh, yeah, it, it is. Right. It's, it's going to be like Salazar's attempt at revenge. I will say it is the second best Pirates movie, though. It's a low bar. Oh, that's so, that's that's an interesting claim. Yeah, so... That's actually a high bar, but well, set the, very low. The Black Pearl is really good. And then everything, everything else is not. Giant, giant Gulf. Yes. Gulf of Mexico. And then it's... Gulf of Mexico. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay. okay. It's watchable, if nothing else. Um, there's not a lot of pirate movies out there. So, I mean, if you can't get a hold of Black Sails, the TV show, which I thought was really sweet. Yeah, you uh, want to watch maybe... Um, well, Gina Davis's pirate movie. That yeah, I was going to say... Cut, Cutthroat Island. Cutthroat Island could do it. Um, it brought, what, Orion Pictures down? Uh, Carol Co. Oh, yeah, that's The right. Terminator. Carol Co. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Fuck. Uh, I also rewatched uh, Last Samurai. It's I really like that one. It uh, is it, it has, it's near and dear to my heart. Is it? Is it good? Yeah, man, it's good. Is it really? Yes. Okay. A lot. There was a lot of outcry when it came out, but to, like I'm firmly in the camp that the intention is Tom Cruise is not the last samurai. Yeah, that's what fucked everybody yeah, up. Yeah, like uh. Ken Watanabe. As Katsumoto, well, he is the last samurai. But his face wasn't on the poster. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, that's said, a, that's so, a problem. It, it literally said Tom Cruise starring in The Last Samurai, him dressed as a samurai. Yeah. So story-wise, he's not the last samurai. The outcry, understandable. Um, but, like, man, Ken Watanabe is so good in this. And the entire Japanese cast, like, a lot of them didn't even speak English when they were filming this, which is... a like they they did a fantastic job of that. Tom Cruise almost got decapitated on this movie. Yeah, that almost. Interesting. Yeah. It's too bad. Okay. Uh, and finally, I watched Jumanji. Welcome to the Jungle. Yes. Yeah. It's good. Right? It's movie's good. great. It's so fun. <laughs> How <laughs> like, great is Jack Black? Oh my God, Jack! Well, this is one of Jack Black's best performances ever <laughs> as an Instagram obsessed teenage uh, girl. I heard that the third movie, because uh, this movie made so much money, is going to have just have a, another entirely new cast, which I'm very excited about. Sweet. You're calling it the third movie? Well, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. It is the third, this, as opposed to this is not a reboot. No. 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 It's a sequel. They name check. Uh, Al- Alan something. Uh, Robin Robert Williams. Yeah, because the Jumanji board game from that original movie from 96 it morphs. is in this and yeah. it becomes the, the video game version. So it is definitely a continuation. Yeah. I thought um, it would be like VR or something or LARPing. And it's just so fun. Like this movie is just a lot of fun. It's I love the video game logic. Yes. Everyone's got their lives, their weaknesses. Oh, man, that's really cool. That's what I wanted also, Happy Death Day to have, like a, a health meter. It's not. It's also uh, really a high school movie. It's, what, it's a high school movie mixed with a video game It's a movie. body swap, video game, high school. Because all the age. themes are about uh, cool. uh, a high school, like fitting in and bullies and uh, being a job. Well, and all the characters go through a pretty impressive journey i find yeah. uh, through the like Fuck, it's man. it's amazing that it has a center like a, an emotional center i wow I was it's just a lot this. of fun yeah yeah it's absolute i looked at the box office for it today it absolutely smashed the shit out of the domestic it's made like 380 million or something it's so it's sony's highest grossing movie outside of spider-man what? domestically yeah it's, every year there's a few little surprises on that Box office. I would say it's the perfect use of Jack Weird. Black, Dwayne Johnson, hmm. and uh, Kevin Hart. Okay, yeah, Kevin Hart's just doing Kevin Hart, but Dwayne Johnson being like an insecure teenage nerd, like playing that. But I, I, that what I like about Kevin Hart is he's played by a huge guy in, in quote the real life of the movie, and, and Kevin, then he's, yeah. Kevin Hart acts like 
a much tougher, bigger guy than he actually is, right? So it's a nice riff on that. Yeah. This movie sounds real nice. It's so much check, fun. Check it out, man. It's, okay. it's great. Okay. I watched a few things, including the television program Waco, starring our boy Taylor Kitsch. Oh, yeah. Oh. I might add. David Koresh. Serious yeah, acting role. He's playing David Koresh in this. I'm digging Waco so far. Now, I'm going to say I'm in the bag. I'm fascinated by the whole story of Waco. And it says Ruby Ridge at the very beginning of this. Michael Shannon plays like a negotiator and he's involved in the actual negotiation at Ruby Ridge. If you don't know anything about Waco, shame on you. A lot of people don't. Shame on them. Well, don't shame them. (laughs) It's a pretty devastating. uh, It's an important event in, in like modern history especially in the u.s but the the show seems pretty good to me so far david crash is totally fucked up and his compound is sketchy as hell and he's he's taking the burden of sex for all of the men at the, at, oh, in yes. the cult. <laughs> the burden. yeah yeah don't worry you can be celibate i will take on the burden of having sex with your wife and everyone else's wife and you the burden of you even masturbating will be put upon me and he must have I will, been such I will a great, engage in the sexual activity. Yeah, he must have been must have been such a great salesman. Well, yeah. what, what is the charisma level of this guy? Like he's really well, first of all, Taylor Kitsch is awesome in this role. And David Koresh was like a really I think very persuasive person and a very like charismatic dude. And That's yeah. a great name, by the way, Koresh. Oh yeah. The branch Davidians. Everything about it just screams great, great marketing. fucked up. Hmm. weird sci-fi movie or something yeah i'm digging waco so far i think there's like maybe eight or ten episodes but it's shorter i think it's six yeah maybe it's like a sh- mini series obviously the, the not gonna the have a season two. Hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i also watched only the brave aka granite mountain oh, oh man you could not shut up about this movie man i'm telling this, you this right was now your wizard of lies for the week why i'm telling you man I'm telling you. What did we replace this with on our... Uh, I can't remember, but we should have reviewed... It barely came out. It didn't bomb because it didn't get a chance to bomb. It didn't it even, out. It didn't even make a, a, a blip on the radar. Like, I don't even know if it cracked the top 10 even. There, were like, like, there was no advertising or marketing for this movie. Total loss, almost. This movie's really, 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 really good, man. I'm telling Joe, you. Joe Kaczynski? Yeah, Joseph Kaczynski, the chat behind Tron Legacy and Oblivion, both of which are visual masterpieces... This is probably his best movie. So how much neon or uh, future None. flying was in it? What? None. So only how, how do they get onto this mountain? Yeah, it's a granite mountain. No, only the Brave is about these group of firefighters, basically the SEAL Team 6 of firefighters, a group of dudes. The who, cast is great, right? Yeah. Josh Brolin is doesn't get enough starring roles, and he is a spectacular actor, and he's amazing in this movie. Jennifer Connelly is his wife. She's really great. Uh, you've got Miles Teller as this sort of drugged out dude who has like dealing with like survivor's guilt and all this is a true story and there's like a a giant team of dudes who perish on this mountain and like it the story of how it happened is terrifying and exciting and incredible it is Peter Berg's best film wow <laughs> by far so this is like, and a he mo- had nothing to do with it. This is a movie <laughs> you think Peter Berg would make. Oh yeah, if, if he had made it. And Josh Brolin is not in this movie. It is Mark, Mark Wahlberg. Wahlberg. Yes. Yeah. So like, you can picture the movie. Mark Wahlberg as this jingoistic Was macho this, cheerleader. Is this better than Deepwater Horizon? Yeah. Oh wow. Whoa, okay. I mean, the action isn't as huge and bombastic, and they built a giant oil rig 
in Louisiana for that, like on an actual. Yeah, it was water impressive. Tank. Yeah, so this movie's a little more small scale. It's dudes in the forest and it's burning, but. That was also one of the rejected titles, Dudes in the Dudes Forest. Dudes in the Forest, and it's burning. <laughs> yeah. But this this really feels... Uh, they shot this with a Sony uh, F65, uh, I think. So it's like this super hot, large format camera, and it looks really amazing. Feels like a Roger Deakins kind of thing going oh, on wow. with Son of the Scimitar. Really... Like, I see why you like it can, so much. Can you tell any reason why they just kind of drop this movie is it like i don't know is it is the story like weird or impenetrable it made no 23 no. million worldwide yeah it's such a shame and it cost 38 it's, from what they say it wasn't a, a big risk but um i guess they had no idea how to market it granite mountain would have been I, such a better title man. i think sony put all their uh, eggs in the jumanji basket but good it, for them the, the only weird part of this movie is it begins with a flaming bear running through the forest oh what and that is like josh brolin's reoccurring dream that he has really amazing imagery uh i thought there was some cool scenes in this about like it's a kind of a tony scott kind of vibe where you have people doing a job a dangerous job and it's glamorizing the excitement of that job and to some degree tony scott meets peterberg i like i like the sound of that yeah but but not as frenetic obviously tony scott's washing shit out and this is a more very like tidy and organized and like restrained movie extremely well shot man i can't i can't stress enough how much polish is on just there's like a smoky sepia tone to it. That's why I'm getting a Deacon's vibe off of it. There's like a beige sepia tone, like to hmm. sort of reflect the, you know, smoky forest fires. Um, this sounds like the movie they tried to make an entourage. Oh, is there like a smoke jumpers thing? Or yeah, whatever? that's what yeah, it's called, yeah, smoke yeah, jumpers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like stealing pool water in this movie at the beginning. It's so fucking awesome. This dude comes out on his balcony and his like sweet mansion. And then there's a tube that comes down into his pool, starts sucking the water up, and there's like a chopper flying above his house. <laughs> and he gives the thumbs up to the dudes. It's like, fuck yeah, dudes, fight the fires, steal my pool water. Save my house. <laughs> uh, Taylor Kitsch is a treasure. Oh, he's in this too? Yeah. You were on a Kitsch kick. I don't know how it happened, man. He's really good in Wait, this. Miles Teller and Taylor Kitsch? Amazing. They have great character development. A nice... like, I feel like they're people who like are up for the same parts. They're really good together. They yeah. have a great that's, that's they have fair. a great friendship that develops and they sort of like almost flip-flop their roles. Like one is sort of drugged out and down and the other one is like a confident dude and they almost flip-flop throughout the movie. It's the ending's devastating. Oh. Like it's it's really good, man. Only the brave, no one will ever see it. But it's yeah. fantastic, man. All right. Well, I'll check it out. Like we, I wanted to see this, and I want it. It's a shame. Something. Else. It's a shame we didn't review it. I'm going to check what we reviewed instead. I hope it was good. I really do. Uh, Did you see anything else? No, that's it. Can I can I talk about one last thing? Well, I really want to eat some marmalade sandos. Well, I saw critically acclaimed, universally praised film starring Sally Hawkins uh, as a quiet, mousy homebody who's always swimming or in the water and whose love for a magical creature drives the film's story despite him being incarcerated for most of it. But enough about the shape of water. Yes. Let's get to padding it too. Thank you. <laughs> Boom goes the dynamite. That was very nicely done. And I try.
Excuse me. Mr. Knuckles? Yes? I just wondered if I could have a quick word about the food. Send a medic to the canteen. You want to... complain? Oh, no, I, I wouldn't say complain. Oh, that's a shame, because I just love it when people complain. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh. Well, in that case, it's very gritty. Oh. And lumpy. And as for the bread... Need I say more? I think we need to completely overhaul the menu. Now, I know we're working to a tight budget, but we could at least add some sauce. Oh, sorry about that, I'll just, uh... Hmm. No, that's just rubbing it in. Don't worry, I know what gets ketchup stains out. Hang on. Was it mustard? Forget the medic. Better send a priest. You listen to me, you little maggot. Listening? Nobody criticizes my food. Right. And nobody bonks me on the head with a baguette. No bonking. I'll overhaul the menu, all right. Really? Dish of the day? Yes. Bear pie. I don't like it! What is this? It's a marmalade sandwich. Marmalade? My Aunt Lucy taught me to make them. You mean you can make this? Well, yes. Stand aside. So that was a clip from Paddington 2. Paddington, now happily settled with the Brown family. So happy. And a popular member of the local community. So popular. Picks up a series of odd jobs to buy the perfect present for his Aunt Lucy's 100th birthday. Only for the gift to be stolen. Dun, dun, dun. <gasps> Damn it. Paddington 2 is written and directed by Paul King, and it stars Ben Wishaw, Hugh Bonneville, Sally Hawkins, Brendan Gleeson, Julie Walters, Jim Broadbent, Peter Capaldi, and Hugh Grant. Basically, everyone from England. <laughs> it's, it, once they make the third one, it was, every British actor will have a chance to be... It was all the British people who weren't in Harry Potter. Yeah, everyone. Just get everyone in here. Like, people who missed out on that. Because this is from the producer of Harry Potter. Uh, okay, so Paddington 2, currently uh, 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Everyone's on board the Paddington train. We've jumped on the bandwagon. I, two, as of two days ago, I had not seen a Paddington movie. Right. I've seen them both now. And are we fans of Paddington? Rick, what do you think of this movie? Uh, well, as a kid, I really loved the the books and the cartoon. The, the cartoon was kind of weird, right? It was this stop Super low. motion thing yeah. with these paper cutouts and stuff i don't know that i did it was rough i didn't like it i when i like i saw it as a kid and i it's just like public broadcaster yeah that going back to my visual art snobbiness i guess i was like nope i'm out like i just yeah it just didn't appeal to your no. visual sense i remember watching like that and like tin tin tin, tin and stuff and just like loving the books uh but these movies are great yes right they're so like not like joyous and er, er, and endearing and uh it's about being good and doing good things and being polite and the yeah. world will be right. I also think they're really tightly executed. Like um, it's one of those classic things where they introduce elements and it all comes back and it's done not in a cloying way. Right. In this movie, like at the very beginning, they, they show what the entire family has been up to. Right. It's perfect. Like Hugh Bonneville is like uh, has a fear of aging and Sally Hawkins is getting into swimming and the kid is uh, into trains and the girl has become a photographer 
And it, it could have easily been like, oh, how are those things going to benefit them? But it, the way it's executed, like, everyone has the little part in the in the movie. And that it, it's crazy that it becomes like a prison movie halfway through. Yeah, yeah. And everyone, each character's little backstory and arc, it comes back to pay up pay off just when you've forgotten about it which is always the perfect you want to you want to have a little character set up and then have the audience kind of forget about that and then have it come back around when it's least like especially with the steam my name is jonathan brown and i love steam trains like i I wanted to get up and fucking cheer man uh and like watching the Paddington one and then the next day watching Paddington two uh they're like very like you could argue that the second one's a, a slight remake of the first one you know you swap out Nicole Kidman for Hugh Grant and it's great like it's just better and a little more you know a lot of the jokes bill callbacks and things like that it's really interesting uh, i think like man like i was looking up what paul king had done before and he done a lot just like some british comedies yeah some tv show i like think like the mighty boosh and yeah. like Whatever the hell that it's is. So like, also I love the the visual style. I think uh, the fact that this is a non-American uh, sort of adaptation. It's very British. The editing, where you know the thing with the house, how it unfolds for the setting. You know oh, the uh, that was very, the prison. Like, fantastic, Mister Foxy. Yeah, like there's a lot of Wes Anderson yeah. like production design elements. Like everything's meticulous, but it feels sincere and it doesn't feel like a a, clo- a sort no. of a ripoff or sort of this cheap knockoff kind of thing yeah the the editing the, the transitions where a room is transformed through decoration how it's like one by one like I, I don't really ever see that in a lot of uh you know american movies or even like i feel it's like it felt very european right uh and stuff like wes anderson like takes from other filmmakers of, of all the time yeah yeah let's be honest he's inspired by like his own yeah like yeah definitely things right he's not eastern filmmakers too yeah 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 if you ever like look up like uh west anderson influences and you'll see like his shots and like shots from other movies like oh my god there it is right yeah <clears throat> yeah th- this one feels like I, I i feel like if anyone says that this is a, a west anderson wannabe or ripoff I, I feel like i'm gonna put the gloves on I, and defend paddington i feel like it 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 feels sincere it doesn't feel cheap for some reason i don't know why but it just doesn't to me if you look at photographs or stills you can definitely get that vibe but watching the whole thing in context is definitely not right yeah 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 mike this movie is so heartwarming (laughs) oh my god (laughs) good god yeah going with the whole you know be polite and lucy oh my my god who who voices padding uh ben wishaw perfect voicing yeah Yeah. it was gonna be colin first yeah so he was he did it originally for the first one and then i guess they were like this isn't this is all wrong we need someone sounds younger he's the perfect voice he there's a lot of innocence and vulnerability to his voice that feels like a young he's supposed to be a young cub i guess right it also helps that ben wishaw looks and and uh, sounds like a young boy, even though he's a fully grown adult man. But he speaks in such a such a very careful and meticulous kind of way, right? Like it's very tidy and neat the way he speaks, and kind of like Paddington and the whole movie, really. Yeah, that like that's done so well. He gives his character such life. Well, well done, Ben. Yeah, uh, I full disclosure, I haven't seen Paddington one. Get out! Shame on you. <laughs> Leave now. Um, I don't feel I was missing anything. Like you, you, you have said before we started recording that I might have missed out on a couple jokes. Or no, you did, it was perfectly. But there are callbacks and little things, and uh, the, the the jokes just land harder because there's a reference gotcha. to it from there, yeah. a lot of scenes in Panning Tune are like like I said, sort of remade, remixed scenes from the first ones. Gotcha. Um, 
this could very easily have been a rote, just like we've traveled this path many times before this, sort of movie. This could have been what I think Peter Rabbit is going to be. Oh, did, did that trailer play in front of this? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Tra- oh, I want to see it now because I'm such a huge Paddington fan, but... Uh, I don't yeah. know. Domino Gleason slumming it. James Corden is the... Yeah, I'm not so sure about that It one. looks like, uh, what, furry... With Brendan, Gla- Brendan Fraser, furry animals. Oh, furry vengeance. Yeah, furry vengeance. Ew. But there's such, like, there's such heart in this film. Like you just and it's you hard, care. It's hard to say what separates it from these. I mean, the, the obvious care and love that's put into it, but there I, is something else that's going on in Paddington. I think that I, I also love that how no one cares that it's like a talking bear the way it's introduced <laughs> in but, the first one. Well, yeah, it's the incorruptible innocence I think of Paddington that really just moves it along so well. Like, no matter what situation he's in, he can turn it around because he's just this nice dude. Well, like, and, the themes where he says, like, he makes friends wherever he go, and then, like, the whole, like, I don't know, kind of, like, reference to, like, contemporary British politics and, like, and like Brexit stuff is so, like, well done. Politeness will yeah. will reign. And uh, I'm, I'm with you on those callbacks, like, how they introduce what the family, the Brown family has been doing. And even later, like, the timing is just so well executed. I don't think anything in this movie can be cut. Like, it is no, yeah, it everything is a has tight its place. experience. I feel like it might rush, might be almost too rushed towards the last half hour, 20 minutes, where start, things start to wrap up, I think, a little too quickly it's for like, my taste. Uh, but. It's like Back to the Future-style script writing, where, like, everything has a place and it's all set up. It, it, yeah. it makes, like... Uh, logical sense in the sort of it, tightly inside the world of the movie. It it does seem to skip a little bit right before the trains for me. That's what I'm talking um, about. But that's that's the only part that I would. What, have what do you mean it, it skips? Well, they figure out the the villains, the phone booth. Oh right? yeah, yeah. And then we just sort of go to this chase scene. It, it feels <laughs> that, rushed. That, that, yeah. Yeah. that one phone call kind of solves a lot of the problem, like the parallel problems they've been I, I didn't yeah. like, yeah, that was my one big problem with it. It was, you know, he phones the family. Oh, they're not there. My life is over. Oh, wait, they phone back. Everything's fine. Yeah, yeah. Right? Um, like, I, it, it felt a bit too, he should have maybe you know, prostituted himself for a couple of weeks and <laughs> done heroin and... I feel like yeah. they the real Paddington too, <laughs> because the prisoners introduced that element of uh, the family forgetting him. They they sort of worked at it for as long as they possibly could, and then brought it back at the very last second. Mm-hmm. Right. So the fact that he called and they're not home, but then they get home like two seconds later. Yeah, so, it it, sh- it could have paid off a little more if you gave it a bit of distance, right, or a bit of space. True, like th- that's it. Just just a little mm. bit rushed there. He goes and gets a drink. Ta-da. Goes, goes yeah. and gets drunk or something. <laughs> Maybe it's like expired marmalade. Has like oh, a weird, no. you know, the part in Dumbo when he does the fucking weird acid trip. Acid tri- yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that would have really fit in here. Um, and Hugh Grant is great. Right? In oh man, he's. I love this this phase of his uh, career because uh, if you guys aren't aware, like he kind of gave up on acting. He stopped caring. And then he had the whole like uh, phone hacking scandal in England, and then now movies that he's doing is just like kind of character actor parts that just get offered to him. Like I think it was great in uh, that Meryl Streep movie about the singer. Oh, Florence yeah. Foster Jenkins. He was great in that. Um, he's been good in stuff, a uh, bunch of stuff lately. He just like it's a very meaty part. He's like playing a riff on his actual personality. It, like yeah. if, if you're an actor, this is the dream job, isn't it? You get to 
be you play an actor, play an over the top actor who gets to play all these dress up roles. Oh, Self absorbed. How funny was that dog food commercial? That was ridiculous. <laughs> the fact like, that and he eats it. Yeah. Oh my god! Because that joke, the brilliance of that. They say that joke so many times, and then that they, we see the commercial and it pays off so well. Yo, because no one thinks that okay, he's going to be the a, dog. Yeah, right? that yeah. he'll be dressed as a dog eating dog food. It's, it's nasty, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Um, he well, like his character is a little bit like uh, a series of, of a series of unfortunate events. Uh, whatever the bad guy's name is, Count Olaf. Oh, Count Olaf, yes, because um, he just constantly dresses up and tries to. Yeah, trick okay, everybody. that might be where I was. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, okay, okay. I definitely got that vibe as well. Uh, I, I, I think I did too. It just never occurred to me. He and uh, Neil Patrick Harris is great, but like Hugh Grant is definitely. I'm, if I'm we were sorry, to I compare the Jim Carrey, <laughs> yes. <laughs> The yeah. OG Olaf, please. Uh, the OG Olaf. Uh, Hugh Grant definitely plays that character better than any of them, and he's not—he's oh, not officially Count Olaf. I, I think this is probably the best work Hugh Grant maybe has ever done in I, his whole career. I never actually thought I'd see him in a musical number. Oh yeah, what was that movie with Drew Barrymore? That was amazing. Nine oh, like, months. Music and lyrics. Where he plays a basically he plays like the other guy from Wham, and there's like a no way. Oh, you you. You got to see like the, the first other like, guy from Wham. He basically he he, he he the he plays like a washed up like 80s singer and then there's a sequence in the beginning where it's like essentially a riff on a Wham video. So it's Hugh Grant playing a young version of his like pop and like it's essentially Wake Me Up Before You Go Go. It is hilarious. Oh my god. The rest of the movie is like fine, oh. but you should just watch the beginning. It's oh so god. good. Will I'll it will out. it ruin Paddington for me somehow? No, I would, no it'll enhance no. it. Nothing no, can. Nothing can. Yeah, how how could anything ruin this movie for god, you? Who's going to be the villain in the third one? That's okay. I want to talk about all those things. I've been obsessed with that question all week. Like it's pretty like Nicole Kidman Hugh Grant. Like, I know, I know. Helen I think Mirren. I'm thinking it's probably Helena Bonham Carter. We can get to all these questions. I am an enormous fan of Paddington too. I am over the moon with this movie. It's a goddamn miracle. And I, I love how much it improves on the first movie. The first movie's fine. It's a cute little thing. It's like the dark night of uh <laughs> Yeah, it kind of is. <laughs> I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie. Like if we're talking about Except franchises it's so much shorter. And yeah, nice. If if we're talking about franchises and and sequels, Paddington Two is one of the best ever. Like in terms of having an original film and then having a sequel to it that takes all of the good things of the first one. Uh, keeps them fresh, adds new elements, develops the characters further, builds on your familiarity with the first film in in interesting ways, and and all of that stuff. That you can't get a better sequel than Paddington Two. If you if you wanted another Paddington movie, you can't get better than this. I probably will be disappointed as fuck with Paddington Three. What I like about Two over so pessimistic, w- man. one is. <laughs> A lot of the beginning of the uh, the first Paddington is the the father, and I guess to some extent the kids being unsure of Paddington, right? And in the second one, they're, everyone the family's on board, right? The whole the whole the whole neighborhood is well, on board. Yeah, yeah. And so it's just it's such an easier entry point into his adventures, right? I feel like you know each Paddington movie, I don't know how many they're gonna make, is feels like its own like episode, right? It's like. It's, you know what it is. Yeah. It does everything so well. It hits the points, like I said, with all the paying off of things. 
and like some of the gags, like uh, the security guard gag in this one is so good, even yeah. compared to the first one. I like the, the, most bu- the, bu- the bucket gag and the rope. Like that's like a Charlie Chaplin oh, yeah. kind of thing almost. The whole, the whole sequence where he's doing odd jobs is hilarious. In the bar- even the barber, like Th- that, you know exactly what's going to happen. I felt like that was a bit pushing the boundary of, of uh, slapstick. Uh, the first one does it a bit too with the bathtub scene i think where it gets a bit silly but it's it's where it's a kid's movie it's still a kid's movie right yeah. it's, you have to still have that i made that joke about shape of water earlier it's <laughs> like the same scene it really is with no, well there was no uh sex in this movie <laughs> yeah no there's it there's a very similar scene in man what a we nicely, flood the bathroom what's a nice tightly sealed bathroom yeah maybe we're just wrong like maybe like you can just do that yeah. in your bathroom did you know that you just close that, the door and you can flood the whole thing and swim around it's the bathroom paint that's how it works also it, it, does these do these Paddington movies take place like in a in any time period in present day? Because there's no there's no cell phones, right? I think there's cell phones. Was there? Yeah, I believe they have there's technology. There's phone booths. I believe there's all sorts of technology, isn't there? But I feel like it's only yeah. They're reading newspapers. I have to say, oh, I feel like there are so many um, Easter eggs hidden in all the newspapers in this movie. I I, I need to watch this again just to read all the headlines because oh. I know. There well, are so many little things hidden in all these headlines. What on was the headline that really stood out? Fuck. There's, there's so yeah. many, man. Yeah, that was a pretty great gag that kept coming back. Um, so, guys, I, I started dropping tear five, ten minutes into this movie. Swear to God, I was already crying when the, the, the titular pop-up book. We go into it. Oh, that was so well done. You got to be kidding me. The animated scene, like the dream sequence with his uh, aunt. Well, right at the beginning when we're when we're being introduced to this pop-up book and how important it is to Paddington, which is very important to the entire plot of the movie. Like if we don't know the importance of this pop-up book, like if we don't care, then what's the point of the movie? Like we need to understand why this is so important to Paddington and us traveling into it, physically flying through these tiny little pop-up pieces and, and having aunt Lucy in it. And I just started bawling my eyes out right fucking there, man. I mean, how can you imagine anything sweeter? I, I really can't. And I, I'm not, I'm not always a sentimental guy with, with my family. I'm just like my aunt, I need my aunt here. But it, it connected with me so much for some reason. I don't know why. Immediately. A, a large part of this movie is animated, and I love how seamlessly it's integrated into the entire thing, right? Yes. There's, there's so no de- well delineation done. between real life and animation. When people ask me, is this, this a live action film or an animated film? I, I want to say, like, well, it's, it's live oh. action, but it, it, it certainly is It's shot and staged like an, a Pixar film almost, like oh, an like, animated film. Everything... Uh, it, it might like, as well be animated. Up to a third of this movie is like, an, like there's a lot of animated portions. Obviously, the bear himself and all that stuff. But like, yeah, the pop up book and a lot of like the transitions, the stuff with the the cooking. Yeah, the the oranges are all animated and stuff, right? Yeah, and then even when uh, the transitions, how they they like uh, break into like the the houses unfold, and then oh you- my god. Yeah, all of that sort of comments on Paddington's personality in a weird, in a way, like how he's passionate and careful, and I mean, not careful because he's a goddamn klutz, but but he's he's such a like compassionate dude and sees all of the tiny little things, and he's all about politeness and neatness, and uh, I don't know, it, it, it's such a great way to illustrate why this book is important, and then when it gets stolen, you're just. You're as pissed off as Paddington is, man. I fucking hate this shit. Aunt Lucy gets no gift now. 
Damn it. And I think working it so hard. Might, is this a reference to that stop motion thing? I don't know if that like might be a loose one. But that original cartoon, Paddington, kind of looks like a pop-up book with these little paper cutouts and shit. I don't know. I, I don't know I about don't, that. Nah, I think I'm it's not, just no animation is very expensive back then. But this also feels like a Dan Brown movie a little bit, right? <laughs> Where he's tracking down right the that, landmarks. Th- this pop up book is straight up out of a Dan Brown, the Paddington Code. Book. Kinda. There's like a. Angels I love of, it. Angels and Bears. The, yeah. There's like a cool treasure map hidden in here. Like it's really. Uh, I, I love that element to it and everything. It does feel like an episode of a show almost because the plot is very stripped down, very self-contained, very basic, delivered to you like cleanly and kind of feels there's like, no extra threads, right? Like, Well, it's a good family movie that way. It's kind right? of how like those like uh, a lot of British like shows like Sherlock or something, like, they're like more like specials, right? They have like three 90-minute episodes or something. Yeah. Like especially watching yeah, yeah, these yeah. two back to the back. Like if I watch the third one tomorrow, it would feel like of a piece. I just love the whole theme of this man. Just be polite to people. Oh yeah, acceptance and almost making it, making your your world and your neighborhood and your communities better. But and also the impact that one person can have on a community, like one person's good deeds and one person's politeness and generosity, how much impact that one person's act can have on a community and what what it's lost when they're how, removed right that's what the, maybe the brexit thing is with how small deportation acts of ki- how small acts of kindness affect like you see like at the beginning of the movie they show his like everyday life and then halfway through them they show without him there in the neighborhood anymore and how like angry and annoyed people are off because they don't know why but we know because Paddington's not there anymore and consequently the prison they're all wearing pink now, and they're eating marmalade. <laughs> yeah, and, how like prison is great now because Paddington's yeah, there. Yeah, isn't that amazing? Like wherever he goes, he he spreads this footprint of generosity and Enjoy. kindness because he is the greatest bear who ever lived. I did not expect some of those prison uh, prisoners prisoners to be such great actors too. Like there's like oh yeah, I, I mean, mean Brendan Gleeson. Brendan Gleeson there's great. a few character actors in there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I feel like. Hugh Grant self-deprecating Phoenix oh, he's so good Phoenix Buchanan what a great name yeah um, playing off his own persona to some degree right I, I think he's making fun of himself in a lot of this well he jokes that um, uh, the producer called him up was like I got a part for you Hugh we, you're gonna you're gonna play this actor who's washed up annoying evil loud brash rude everyone hates him and naturally we thought of you <laughs> fuck and it's, he's so good <laughs> and yeah and the cast is amazing brendan gleason knuckles with an capital n and he <laughs> goes like this he goes like this McGinty. Yeah. yeah knuckles mcginty he's incredible and the the moment that he sort of his hard shell cracks and the way that's done is so perfect yeah, as as we might remember paddington always has a marmalade sandwich in his hat for good luck. Mike, you might not have known that. Were you Were you aware that there's... Well, yeah. I, the, I picked up on it. The first scene, uh, as him as a cub, establishes that, reestablishes it. Okay, yeah. yeah. So for the people who don't know that that sandwich is always there for good luck, or for emergencies, I yeah. think, right? Yeah, the very first scene. That scene <laughs> where they're uh, making marmalade, too, is incredible. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. When he, when he has his first taste of it, and then there's this amazing montage of marmalade uh, making. Just and the eye tracking. As, like, uh, what are you doing? 
You said one by one. Amazing, <laughs> amazing. Yeah, and and the way that Knuckles sort of the, uh, the cracks and hit, it, what is this feeling that I'm experiencing? It's called pride. Yeah, <laughs> even like, I don't the, like it. Even this, <laughs> even this scene when uh, the Browns come to visit him in prison, and then they all pop up, and then <laughs> and then you know there's there's a gag about like uh, turning off the mic and yeah, stuff. Yeah, oh my yeah. god, it's so funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All of this stuff is perfect, and it doesn't come across as as it's so earned. It is, and and a lot of these movies kids movies they they don't even bother to earn any of these moments it's all about just sort of like jokes per minute or just giving kids this like stimulus just fun dumb energy even though i watched uh it's so sophisticated even though i watched Paddington two uh the day after i watched Paddington one never in the movie did i realize i I keep thinking like oh this is just like this was like the first movie because it was they so successfully redid all these things on its own and you can enjoy it. Yeah, that's oh, I'm so fascinated to think where we're going in the next one. Like you know, like I love the first time I watched The Force Awakens. I loved it, but I was like, man, this is a lot like those other movies, right? Yeah. I never really thought that when I was watching Paddington Two. No, and they could do the same thing again. I like, and I would if, probably if, be happy if they don't do this the same thing in the third one with another like incredible like but uh, older British actor riffing on their real life personality. I'd be angry. For some <laughs> reason, I thought of Michael Fassbender as the villain. I don't. Nah, he's, I don't he's know. Too young. I don't know why. He's I don't also, know if age matters here. I don't know if he. No, would but do like it. I think like Nicole Kidman and Hugh Grant Grant are personalities with long histories you need like these sort of royalty yeah celebrities yeah like i said it's gotta be like helen murin or like patrick stewart or someone has michael fassbender done anything funny uh frank Frank, he's not really that's pretty just it's kind of actually dramatic it's it's not funny at all it's no (laughs) not really he has no facial expressions no fassbender doesn't do much funny shit i saw that movie he did with gleason and it's terrible trespass Against uh, us, he's funny in Steve Jobs in moments, but obviously it's a very dramatic movie. He's kind of a heavy yeah. actor, isn't yeah. he? Like Shame is hilarious. Hunger is Hung- oh, as Bobby Sands jokes, <laughs> jokes when they're when they're detailed close ups of those bed sores. So I mean, funny. he was pretty hilarious in X Men Apocalypse in uh, Auschwitz with uh, yeah, sending that little locket through guys' brains. Uh, Man, yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, locket he, he murders all those people in the forest. But yeah, so uh, <laughs> that was great. <laughs> the the climax of Paddington too, I I felt like was maybe the only thing that I didn't like. I, I love that it's involving trains and we're you know we're getting this book back and all. It's great. Sh- I, I, I felt lo- like we did rush to it a little too quickly, as we were saying. But it gave us the call back to Shack Robotics. Shock Robotics. Th- that's Shack- what. I, oh so, yeah. <laughs> so thank you. I, I was trying to come up with what this was called, and it's not yoga. It's Shockrobatics. Shockrobatics. How how long were his legs in that scene? I mean, what the first thing I thought of if you if if you guys uh, have seen the Jean Claude Van Damme video where he yes. does the splits on those Volvo trucks that are driving that's, backwards on this like computer controlled track or whatever. Well, that's also a riff on what he did back in the day too, right? But was the Enya song playing on? No, it? that don't. I think he just did it as an exercise, and then they I built wanted, a uh, ad like, campaign out of it. I, I feel like the makers of Paddington desperately probably Ooh, wanted to put that Enya track in at this moment. But it is, it is amazing, and it's earned, and it's perfect, and it's not, it, it's not even, too silly and dumb. It, it, it works so perfectly with everything. Even like the the song cues with like obvious songs like "Born to Be Wild" or stuff when there's like flashbacks, like those should be terrible. But yeah, they're I not. know. I know. And in, in another movie, I wouldn't find them as cute or as 
endearing. I might find them obnoxious and forced, but they handle everything is so it just works. Im- yeah, I can't I can't exactly put my finger on it, but there's a lot of confidence and a lot of capability and just a lot of love and care put into everything in this and in, and none of it feels dishonest. Every th- these are the most sincere cute yeah. movies ever. Everything about this is genuine. Yeah. 100%. And, but but a lot of times that feels forced, right? Spielberg fucks this shit up all the time. Pixar fucks this shit up sometimes too. You you can't feel like you're manipulating your audience. I cried like 10 times in this goddamn thing, man. And I don't want to give too much away of the ending. That's where we should stay spoiler free. Oh, man, but I love how... The last 30 seconds of this, like, I got absolutely destroyed. Yeah, man. Also, it just ends. You, a lot of these movies, especially family movies, there's, like, a kind of, like, epilogue, right? Or even the credits. Yeah. It's just, like, you, like... Well, we do have a fun credit sequence with uh, Hugh Grant which yeah. is in the prison, which and he's singing... Yeah. I love the Jamaican... Ba- that's very Wes anderson as well, right? This band. Jamaican band that just springs up. Yeah. No, but, like, the climax happens. There's, like, it's revealed sort of the aftermath. And then it works towards the what we're talking about, and then the movie essentially just ends, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like that just really doesn't happen anymore. Well, it's because they know story and they know structure, and they know that ending the movie on that shot and that Perfect. just exactly the way that it does is like, well, what else do we need to show? This is this is like, mwah. like this is absolute perfection. So we end it here. We sma- I would have loved maybe a smash cut instead of a fade out. That's just me. But it's I, I was I was completely broken by it, and it reminded me of how smashed up I got by the ending to Twelve Years a Slave. If we're going to make these connections, wow. because the ending of Twelve Years a Slave features sort of a similar kind of moment. Rosebud. There's this moment of reuniting and. It's really emotional. You're at the front door of the house. Like, I got the exact same vibe I got out of 12 Years a Slave when Homeboy came home to his family. To, to be fair, uh, Paddington's prison and enslavement uh, journey was not nearly as dramatic. It was not as harrowing. Yeah. No, no. no. Um, you, but, may, you may want to mark that as spoilers because I'm not sure that was veiled I, very well. I don't know. No, I think you're, it's pretty clear, kind of. It's just how it's executed is very we can, good. We can. We can put one there. Ah, it, it's fine. No. Um, guys, what are we giving as far as scores on this thing? Uh, I feel like at an eight. Yeah, I'm doing an eight and a half. Oh, like, I, oh yeah, I like this. I'm it, doing a straight on nine. Nice. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. This that, one's that, serious. This one's serious. So, do you think this will be how how quickly will this be de- dethroned in uh, 2018? Like for the top ten of the year? Yeah. Like, do you think it's gonna last? I it's gonna don't. Be, is it gonna be the get out of this year? I mean, this could easily remain in top five for me. Interesting. I'm so movie, Like, I think I, I'm... It's so charming. Oh, my yeah, God. Mo- You're going to have to work real hard to, to make That's true. me feel as good as I did when I came out of that. So, like, movies, you got it out, like, how, cut out for you now. How good does the bear look as, as well? Oh, my God. Like you, you don't even remember well, that this is CG. We're at we're at the point where those gags, you, it, where, we're he completely, those, where he does his angry face. Oh yeah, so good. The uh, the hard stare. Yeah, <laughs> Aunt Lucy taught me. Yeah, that's incredible. And the way that Knuckles reacts, you know, oh, I, I invented it. Pretty good, lad, or whatever. Like he's, just, oh. 
These these are masterpieces. All I've been thinking about this week is what is Paddington three about, <laughs> and who's the bad guy? I, I think we'll go back to maybe a, a female. Ian it might be a female villain. I think they might go back to, and I'm thinking that it's going to have something to do with. Uh, I don't know. Maybe someone gets kidnapped. I don't know. I don't want to get into spoilers with it. We'll just have Dwayne Johnson show up. And- <laughs> no, no Americans. No, Vin, Vin Diesel. No Americans. Allowed. Vin Diesel doing a British accent. Oh God, no. Fine. No Jason Americans. Jason Statham will show up. <gasps> oh, Jason Statham, the Iron Giant. Actually, Jason Statham. Yeah, would be I would good. love that. I would watch the shit out mm. of that because he proved in Spy that he can be. Pretty oh man, how funny. funny was he in Spy? I'm trying. I'm just trying to think. What is what are Paddington caliber pedigree? Actors, what 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 kind of feels like the the fraternity, the sorority, the Patrick the, Stewart, the club? Yes. Who who's in the Patrick club? Stewart, Helen Mirren, Ian McKellen, Lord of the Rings actors and Harry Potter actors. Uh, Brendan, of course, Brendan Gleeson was in this, right? Like, of course. So who's next? There's so many. It's the guy, so, the it's guy so who plays rich. Hagrid. It's so rich. Yeah. Uh, guys, that's our review of Paddington Two. It is a masterpiece. It's one of my favorite children's movies of all time. Family movie. Family movie. Oh, you know what? Rated G. If he yeah. were still alive, you know who would have been a good villain for the third one? Uh, Hans Gruber or Professor Snape. Oh, Alan Rickman, yes. He oh, would perfect. Yes. That's it. That's it right there. Oh. Way, to, way to break my heart. Because he could, he could do a riff on Snape Busty and McGruber. Yes. Fuck. That would have been so good. Mm. Oh, I'm sad now. Yeah, yeah I know. Way Thank to you. bring us down. Thank you. Where can we find you on the internet, Rick? Uh, you can find me on uh, Rick Chung at those handles, rickchung.com, YVRK. That's the letters YV and the word RK.com at those handles. Okay. Thanks for doing that. I'm at Michael Arlind on Twitter. Nice. I'm at Scott Wilson BC. That's with two L's. Follow the show at Vertical Viewing. Email us, verticalviewing at gmail.com. Go to our website, verticalviewing.com. Verticalviewing.com. Click on that donate button. It's yellow. Little, yellow, different. It's shiny. Remember that? Yeah. Remember Wayne's World? Little, yellow, different. Remember I, they're, they're like hawking that pill? Remember the part where there's oh. all those ads? <laughs> yes. Puts the Nikes up and... <laughs> when I was a kid, one, I didn't get any of that. Yeah, once understand. they're picked up by the big corporation. Yeah, they just sell out and he shoes up. Uh, yeah, we sell out. So if you can, donate a couple of bucks to the VVP show. Uh, that'll allow you to be... Uh, that's not selling out. That's not selling out. <laughs> it's not just transactional. It's how businesses work. Okay, true. But you can support the show uh, permanently if you want, or, or monthly, patreon.com slash vertical viewing. Uh, One, two, or three dollars per month gets you access to all the goodies in the vault, including Clockwork Orange and Superman Returns and Dune. And It's great. It's really great. Jake Gyllenhaal's in there. We're going to let him out one day. We keep adding to that list. For yeah. two or three dollars, you can let us know what to add to that list. Yeah. Patreon.com slash vertical viewing. Go to iTunes, go to Google Play, Stitcher, stay away, tune in radio. The podcast essentially seeps onto the internet. Coming out of Area X, the border has fallen. We can't stop it. Ooh. Uh you can also well, I mean, next week I don't really, Yeah, what's happening next week? Winchester is next week. Like, Sorry. No one knows what goes, that is, Scott. Sorry. We were just talking about Helen Mirren. Yeah. Well, she's playing the 
The Winchester Widow. The the heir to the Winchester fortune, and she's haunted by all of the ghosts of everyone who was ever shot by the gun. Oh, it's a, it's a, is it a double Mirren Week? She's also in the, the Leisure Seeker. What the hell is that? Do you, you know that? Do you know the story of the Winchester Mansion? By no, the way, is it cool? It's it's crazy. Like she okay, built I can't it. Wait to see this. She is it like it, uh, another Amityville horror the, style. Well, no, no. There's she built it to appease these the spirits. So there's doors that go nowhere. There's stairs that lead into the roof. Like it's architecturally, it doesn't make any sense. But it's because well, if it makes sense, if you're a ghost, yeah. Like that's oh, that's why man. it's called the the house that ghosts built because. It's a true story, dude. Knuckles on that. Boom. We're gonna we're gonna Is watch. It gonna be like the house made for ghosts. Yeah, they didn't, build, they didn't it. build it. <laughs> I said this earlier. This is directed by the guys who made Daybreakers. So, Mike, you're all over that. <laughs> Fuck, aren't you? Well, so wait, are, are there are vampires? vampires? Yeah, yeah. Are vampires are gonna show. I up? hope so. I really ghosts hope so. versus vampires. Uh, uh, that's spectral vampires. Oh, don't you dare say spectral in the same sentence. <laughs> it's way above Daybreakers. That's for yeah. sure. That's our show. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. Are there any final thoughts from you fellas? I just I can't wait to see how excited you are when they announce who's going to be the villain in Paddington 3. The ghost of Alan Rickman. Oh, don't. Keep it vertical. Vertigo.